Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. Katie here. No, no, no. Katie here. You're Ellen. I know I'm Ellen. I was about to say, Katie here is my co-host. Oh, oh, I get it. That's fine then. As long as we know who we are. Like, you know, I'm Katie. You're Ellen. Well, now that that's cleared up, let's just keep rolling. Right into... Wishing me a happy birthday. I was going to say the rolling rehash. But it's my birthday. But it really isn't. It will be by the time people are listening to this. It's basically my birthday this whole week. It's my birth week. Fine. Happy birthday, Ellen. Thank you. (laughs) Now you can do the rolling rehash. Oh, gee, thanks so much. Your benevolence is amazing. Last week, we discussed Chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets, and the corresponding film scenes. Hermione channels her inner Madonna after defacing school property. McGonagall and Snape channel their inner sassy Harry in order to perform a successful appendectomy. Ron and Harry channel themselves as they continue their meddling streak. Lockhart channels his inner Dr. Evil by explaining his plans and allowing the heroes to turn the tables on him. And Slytherin's monster channels his inner frat boy by leaving its snakeskin lying around. During episode 34, An Awful Awful Color, our Potter pondering was, Can petrified people still feel things? Such as, what if Hermione is cold? Is being petrified anything like Petrificus Totalis? Because Harry was completely aware during that, just couldn't move. Obviously, the basilisk petrification is worse than the spell, since that can easily be reversed. But now I really wonder if any part of them is aware what is going on around them. Emma and Alice think it would be a deeper level of being petrified, more like a coma. Carly thinks Petrificus Totalis is more like the coma. She feels like being petrified by the basilisk freezes everything. She says, you know, when you're in a coma, you can feel and there's brain activity and you still age. I assume that as a petrified person, you don't age. It freezes you exactly as you were in that moment. Petrificus Totalis, your eyes can still move and you can look around. I think that's more like a coma aware of what's going on around you, but not really anything you can do. All in all, I think being petrified is literally being frozen in time. Dave also doesn't think you are aware during petrification. He says he imagines there would be a lot of questions to the victims about what it was like being petrified, or Hermione would have said something like, I was so excited when Harry found the note in my hand. I just knew you guys would figure it out. You're such a great wizard. Or, was it Professor Lockhart who found me? Was it him who carried me to the infirmary? Did my hair look okay? That would indicate no awareness. But then again, fawning over Professor Appendix does point to a sense of unawareness in general. (laughs) (laughs) Max says that Petrificus Totalis is the full body bind curse, so he assumes that it doesn't affect the mind as such. However, being petrified is more of a mental phenomenon. Maybe the body can't move because the mind is so badly affected. All in all, some really great thoughts. Not as fun as my imagining Hermione screaming in her head, but very good points nonetheless. Yeah, as always, thanks for sharing. 
Our trivia question from last week was, what is the translation of what Tom Riddle says in Parseltongue to call the basilisk forward? The movie just gives us the creepy hissy language, but in the book, since Harry can understand Parseltongue, he hears, Speak to me, Slytherin, greatest of the Hogwarts Four. Congratulations goes to Dave Garza, who is making a comeback with a win after being on the heels of the winners for several weeks in a row. He cracked me up with his comment under his answer when he said that it took forever to find, and it's half a guess because apparently parcel tongue translators only work in English to parcel, not the other way around. Those darn translators, completely unreliable. Seriously. But let's just keep rolling into Chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin. Harry finds himself standing at the end of a dimly lit chamber, with towering stone pillars carved with more serpents. His heart is beating very fast as he looks around, worried the basilisk is lurking in a corner or behind a pillar, and wonders where Ginny is. He moves forward, keeping his eyes narrowed in case he needs to close them quickly. When he reaches the last set of pillars, he can see a statue, as high as the chamber itself, of an ancient, monkey-like face with a long, thin beard that falls almost all the way to his stone feet. And between his feet, lying face down, is Ginny Weasley. Harry sprints towards her, drops to his knees, and tosses his wand aside. As he tries to wake her, a voice says, She won't wake. Harry spins around to see Tom Riddle standing behind him and asks if she's dead. Riddle tells him that she is alive, but only just. Harry stares at him and wonders if he's a ghost. Riddle explains that he is a memory, preserved in the diary for 50 years. Harry asks him for his help getting Ginny out of there, saying there is a basilisk. Riddle doesn't move, and Harry goes to pick up his wand, realizing that it's missing. He looks back to Riddle and sees him twirling his wand. He reaches for it, but Riddle won't give it back. Harry again mentions the basilisk, and Riddle tells him that it won't come until it's called. Harry wants to know what he means and asks for his wand, but Riddle just tells him that he won't be needing it, and mentions that he has been waiting a long time for the chance to talk to him. Harry is starting to lose patience, and tells Riddle they can talk later. Right now, they need to get out of the Chamber of Secrets. Riddle tells him that they are going to talk now and pockets Harry's wand. Starting to become suspicious, he asks Riddle how Jenny got like that. Riddle says it's because she opened her heart and spilled all of her secrets to an invisible stranger, and explains that she'd been writing in his diary all year about how her brothers tease her, coming to school with secondhand robes and books, and how she didn't think that famous, good, great Harry Potter would ever like her. Riddle says that it was boring to listen to the troubles of an 11-year-old girl, but he was able to charm her so she would keep pouring out her soul to him and make him stronger. He was able to start feeding her some of his own secrets and use her to open the chamber and strangle the roosters and paint threatening messages on the walls. She also set the serpent on the petrified victims. Harry doesn't want to believe it, and Riddle continues on, saying that her diary entries got a lot more interesting after that but she eventually became suspicious enough to dispose of the diary, and of all people, Harry is the one who picked it up. Riddle says that Harry was the person he was most anxious to meet, and Harry asks why. Riddle explains that Ginny told him all about his fascinating history, so he decided to show him how he captured that great oaf Hagrid to gain his trust. 
Harry realizes that Riddle framed Hagrid and tells him that he thought he had just made a mistake. Riddle laughs and says it was his word against Hagrid's, and the word of the poor but brilliant and brave prefect and model student was believed over blundering Hagrid, who was in trouble every other week, trying to raise werewolf cubs under his bed and sneaking off to the Forbidden Forest to wrestle with trolls. He says that his plan worked even better than he had expected, and that only the Transfiguration teacher, Dumbledore, seemed to think Hagrid was innocent. Riddle knew it wouldn't be safe to open the chamber again while he was still at school, and decided to leave behind a diary preserving his 16-year-old self, to one day lead another in his footsteps and finish Salazar Slytherin's noble work. Harry tries to point out that he hasn't, because no one has even died, and they are all about to be cured. But Riddle informs him that Harry is his new target. He was very angry when Ginny realized Harry had the diary and stole it back from him. But he knew from what she had told him that Harry was on the heir's trail and would stop at nothing to solve the mystery, especially after his best friend was attacked. Riddle made Ginny write her own farewell message on the wall and overpowered her the rest of the way so he could leave the pages of his diary at last. He has been waiting for Harry because he has a lot of questions for him. Harry says, like what? And Riddle starts out asking him how a baby with no extraordinary magical talent could have defeated the greatest wizard of all time. Harry wants to know why he cares, because Voldemort was after his time. Riddle says, Voldemort is my past, present, and future Harry Potter, and pulls Harry's wand out of his pocket to write Tom Marvolo Riddle in the air before waving the wand and reshuffling the letters to say, I am Lord Voldemort. He explains that it was a name he was already using with his most intimate friends at Hogwarts, because he wasn't going to keep the name of his filthy muggle father who abandoned him. He made up a new name that wizards everywhere would fear to even speak when he became the greatest sorcerer in the world. Though Harry is shocked to find out this boy had grown up to murder his parents and so many others, he forces himself to speak and says, you're not the greatest sorcerer in the world, and tells him that Albus Dumbledore is the greatest wizard in the world. Everyone says so, and that Voldemort was afraid of him even when he was strong. Riddle's face turns very ugly as he claims that Dumbledore was driven out of the castle by the mere memory of him, and Harry responds by telling him that Dumbledore is not as gone as he might think. Before Riddle can respond, music starts coming from somewhere, growing louder and lifting Harry's spirits. Flames erupt at the top of the nearest pillar and a large crimson bird with a long golden tail appears. It flies towards Harry, gripping a bundle in its talons, which it drops at his feet before landing on his shoulder. Riddle identifies it as a phoenix and the bundle as the sorting hat, and Harry realizes it's Fox. Riddle laughs again that Dumbledore sent his defender a songbird and an old hat, and wonders if Harry feels brave and safe now. Harry doesn't answer, unsure what use they are, but glad to not be alone anymore. Riddle returns to business, asking Harry how he survived the two times they have met. Harry tells him that no one knows why Voldemort lost his powers when he attacked him as a baby, but he couldn't kill him because his mother died to save him. He adds that he saw the real Voldemort last year, and he's a wreck, barely alive, in hiding, ugly and foul. Riddle forces his face into an awful smile and acknowledges that Harry's mother dying to save him is a powerful countercharm, and there isn't anything special about him. He says that he's wondered, since there are strange similarities between them. Both half-bloods, orphans, raised by muggles, probably the only two parcel mouths at Hogwarts since Slytherin himself, and they even look a bit alike. 
but now he sees that it was merely lucky chance that saved Harry. Riddle says that now he's going to teach Harry a lesson, matching the powers of Lord Voldemort against Harry Potter and the best weapons Dumbledore can give him. He gives an amused look at Fox in the hat and then looks up at the stone statue of Slytherin. He speaks in Parseltongue, saying, Speak to me, Slytherin, greatest of the Hogwarts four. The stone face moves and something slithers up from its depths, pouring out of the statue's open mouth. Harry backs away and closes his eyes, but feels the giant serpent hit the floor and hears Riddle's hiss order it to kill him. He begins to blindly run sideways and can hear Riddle laughing as he trips. The basilisk is barely feet from him when he hears a loud spitting sound right above him and something heavy hits him and smashes him into the wall. As he's waiting for the fangs to pierce him, he hears more hissing and thrashing, hitting the pillars. Harry opens his eyes to squint and see what's happening and sees Fox drawing the snake's attention away from Harry. The phoenix dives and pierces both of the serpent's yellow eyes. Riddle is furious and yelling for the serpent to leave the bird and go after the boy behind him, saying it can still smell him and to kill him. The blinded basilisk sways, confused, but still deadly. Harry wildly mutters for help, and the snake's tail whips across the floor. He ducks and feels something soft hit his face, finding the sorting hat. He grabs it and puts it on, begging for help. Instead of hearing a voice, he feels the hat contract and something hard hits him in the head. He pulls the hat off to find a gleaming sword, its handle glittering with giant rubies. Riddle is still yelling directions at the serpent as Harry stands and readies himself. The snake lunges blindly and Harry dodges. It strikes again and Harry drives the sword to the hilt up through the roof of its mouth. He feels blood and a searing pain above his elbow and realizes one of the basilisk's poisonous fangs pierced his arm and breaks away as the snake collapses to the ground. Harry slides down the wall and pulls the fang from his arm. As his vision starts to blur, Fox lands next to him and lays his head on his injured arm. Riddle approaches and tells him that he is dead, and even Dumbledore's bird knows it because he is crying. Harry blinks and can see tears trickling down Fox's feathers. Riddle says he is going to sit and watch him die, saying, So ends the famous Harry Potter, alone in the Chamber of Secrets, forsaken by his friends, defeated at last by the Dark Lord he so unwisely challenged. Harry starts to notice that instead of everything going black, things are coming back into focus. He looks down at his arm and the wound is gone. Riddle begins to yell at the bird to get away from him and aims Harry's wand at him. Fox takes flight and Riddle remembers that Phoenix Tears have healing powers. He decides he would prefer to kill Harry himself anyways and raises the wand again, but before he can do anything, Fox returns and drops the diary into Harry's lap. Without even thinking, Harry grabs the basilisk fang he had discarded and plunges it straight into the diary. There is a long, dreadful scream, and the diary starts spurting out ink as Riddle writhes, twists, and screams until he's gone. The basilisk venom burned a hole straight through the book. Harry slowly stands, collects the sorting hat, and yanks the sword from the basilisk's mouth. He hears a faint moan from the other end of the chamber and sees that Jenny is waking up. As he hurries towards her, she sits up and looks around, seeing the dead basilisk and the diary in Harry's hand. She begins to cry and says she tried to tell them at breakfast but couldn't and she swears she didn't mean to but Riddle took her over. She wonders how Harry killed the snake and where Riddle was. 
Harry shows her the diary and says he finished them both off. He helps her to her feet as she cries that she's going to be expelled and worried what her parents will say. Fox is waiting for them by the entrance and they make their way back through the tunnel and hear the sound of slowly shifting rocks. Harry calls out to Ron that he's got Jenny and she's okay. Ron thrusts his arm through a hole in the rocks and helps her through, followed by Fox and Harry. Ron wonders where the bird and the sword came from and Harry says he will explain when they get out of there. Harry asks where Lockhart is and Ron gestures back to the tunnel and explains that the memory charm must have backfired because he doesn't have a clue who he is. Harry looks up the pipe to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and asks Ron if he has any ideas how to get back up. Ron shakes his head and Fox flies in front of them, waving around his long golden tail feathers. Ron thinks he wants Harry to grab on but doesn't see how the bird could pull him up. Harry says that Fox isn't an ordinary bird and instructs everyone to hold on to each other. He secures the hat and sword in his belt and grabs Fox's tail feathers, who lifts them up all the way through the pipe and back into the bathroom, Lockhart exclaiming, amazing, amazing, this is just like magic. The sink slides back into place and Myrtle is surprised to see that Harry is alive, saying that if he had died, he would have been welcome to share her toilet. Ron thinks that Myrtle has grown fond of Harry and tells Jenny that she has competition, but changes the subject when he sees the tears flowing down Jenny's face. Ron asks Harry what they should do now, and Harry points. Fox leads the way to Professor McGonagall's office, where Harry knocks on the door and pushes it open. This section of the movie continues from Harry entering the Chamber of Secrets through the large round vault door. He carefully climbs down a ladder and finds himself on a stone path, bordered by water and seven open-mouthed snakeheads on either side. As Harry walks down the path, he sees Ginny lying unconscious on the ground at the base of a statue depicting a bearded man's head. He takes off running towards her, dropping his wand as he nears her and kneels down next to her. He is begging her, please wake up, and Tom Riddle steps out from the shadows, saying she won't wake. Harry looks over at Tom and is confused to see him there, but asks what he means. Riddle says that she is still alive, but only just. Harry then asks him if he is a ghost, and Riddle explains that he is a memory, preserved in a diary for fifty years. As Harry continues to check on Ginny, Riddle bends down and picks up Harry's wand. Harry is still distracted by Ginny as he asks Riddle for help and tells him they need to get out of there because there is a basilisk. But when Riddle says, it won't come until it's called, Harry looks up at him and sees Riddle holding his wand. He stands up wearily and asks for his wand, but Riddle just tells him he won't be needing it. Harry again tells him that they have to get out of there, and they need to save her, and Riddle tells Harry that he can't let that happen. He tells him that as Ginny grows weaker, he grows stronger, and confirms that it was Ginny Weasley who opened the Chamber of Secrets. Harry doesn't believe this, and the film cuts to a scene of Ginny opening the chamber as Tom Riddle's voiceover explains that she set the basilisk on the mudbloods in Filch's cat and wrote the threatening messages on the walls. Harry asks why, and Riddle says it's because he told her to. He can be very persuasive, and she was in a kind of trance and didn't know what she was doing. We see shots of Ginny writing on the walls, her face looking blank, and of her throwing the diary in the toilet as Riddle goes on to say that the power of the diary started to scare her and she tried to dispose of it in the girls' bathroom, where it was found by Harry, the person he most wanted to meet. Harry wanted to know why he wanted to meet him, and Riddle tells him that he wanted to talk to him, so he showed him the capture of that brainless oaf Hagrid to gain his trust. Harry yells that Hagrid is his friend and accuses Riddle of framing him. 
Riddle says that it was his word against Hagrid's, and only Dumbledore seemed to think he was innocent. Harry says that he bets Dumbledore saw right through Riddle, who admits that he kept an annoyingly close watch on him after that. He knew it wouldn't be safe to open the chamber while he was still in school, so he preserved his 16-year-old self in a diary so that one day he could lead another to finish Salazar Slytherin's noble work. Harry tells him that he hasn't finished it this time because the Mandrake draft will be ready in a few hours and everyone will be okay. Riddle informs Harry that killing mudbloods doesn't matter to him anymore, that his new target is Harry. He asks how a baby with no extraordinary magical talent was able to defeat the greatest wizard of all time, escaping with nothing but a scar, when Voldemort was nearly destroyed. Harry wonders why he cares, since Voldemort was after his time. Riddle says, Voldemort is my past, present, and future, and uses Harry's wand to write Tom Marvolo Riddle in fiery letters in the air. He waves his arms and the letters rearrange to spell out, I am Lord Voldemort. Harry realizes that Tom Riddle is the heir of Slytherin and Voldemort, and Riddle angrily says, Surely you didn't think I was going to keep my filthy muggle father's name. He fashioned himself a new name that wizards everywhere would fear to speak when he became the greatest sorcerer in the world. Harry gets in Riddle's face and tells him that Albus Dumbledore is the greatest sorcerer in the world, and Riddle says that Dumbledore has been driven out of the castle by the mere memory of him. Harry insists that he will never be gone, not as long as there are those who remain loyal to him. As the two boys glare at each other, a bird call echoes in the chamber, and Fox flies in and drops the sorting hat down to Harry before looping around. Riddle is not impressed that Dumbledore sent Harry a songbird and an old hat, and turns to the bearded statue. He speaks Parseltongue, and the statue's mouth begins to open as Riddle says, Let's match the power of Lord Voldemort, heir of Salazar Slytherin, against the famous Harry Potter. A huge snake slithers out from the statue's now open mouth, and Riddle speaks to it in Parseltongue as Harry runs away. Riddle tells Harry that Parseltongue won't save him, it only answers to him. Harry sprints down the stone path as the snake pursues him and trips, falling flat on his front and causing his glasses to fly off. Fox swoops back in and attacks the basilisk, piercing both of its eyes and blinding it. Riddle yells, No! but says that the basilisk can still hear Harry, who again takes off running through a watery tunnel and turns to find himself trapped by a gate. The basilisk corners him and Harry picks up a rock, tosses it into the tunnel, and tricks the giant snake into following that sound instead. Once clear, he runs back out the tunnel to Riddle and Ginny. He kneels down by her and touches her hand. As Riddle says, the process is nearly complete and soon she will be dead, and Lord Voldemort will return. The basilisk explodes out of the water behind him, and Harry sees a sword glittering with rubies appear in the sorting hat on the ground next to him. He picks it up, runs to the bearded statue, climbs up it, and holds the sword ready. The basilisk draws closer, and he swipes at it a few times, before it lunges and nearly knocks him off the statue. Harry manages to keep hold of it with one hand and pulls himself back up, climbing even higher as he continues to try to avoid the snake's attacks. He makes it to the top of the statue, plants his feet, and lifts the sword. He continues to swipe at the snake to no avail and falls backwards. He gets up, continues fighting, but falls again and drops the sword. As the snake is rearing up to strike, Harry lunges for the sword. He manages to grab it and stands up, thrusting the sword up to the hilt into the snake's open mouth through its head as it attacks. 
He removes the sword and backs up, realizing that a fang caught him in the arm as the basilisk falls away in agony. Harry pulls the fang from his arm and watches as the basilisk sinks into the water and its huge head crashes upside down to the ground. Riddle does not look pleased as Harry makes his way back down to Ginny, holding the sword in one hand and the fang in the other, which also grips his injured arm. He drops the sword and falls to his hands and knees next to Ginny as Riddle mocks him, letting him know that the venom is spreading through his body and he'll be with his dear mudblood mother soon. Harry looks at him but reaches for Ginny's hand. Riddle comments on how it's funny what a silly little book can do in the hands of a silly little girl, and Harry grabs the diary from Ginny's arm. He opens it and plunges the basilisk fang right into a blank page, causing black ink to spill from the hole and Riddle to yell for him to stop. Riddle lunges for Harry, but a hole of light appears in his chest and he starts to scream and fade a little. Harry lifts the fang and drives it into the other side of the diary, causing Riddle more agony as light pours from his mouth. Harry closes the diary and stabs it once more through the cover, and Riddle disappears in a burst of light and shower of sparks. Ginny wakes up and sees Harry, confessing that it was her, but Riddle made her. She sees that Harry is hurt, and he tells her not to worry and gives her directions on how to get out and find Ron. Fox flies back in with another caw and lands in front of Harry, who tells the phoenix he was brilliant. Harry says he just wasn't quick enough, and Fox lowers his head and cries, his tears dripping onto Harry's wound, which disappears. Harry remembers that phoenix tears have healing powers and thanks the bird. He tells Ginny that it's over, and the scene transitions to Fox carrying Lockhart, Ron, Harry, and Ginny out of the Chamber of Secrets up into the moonlit sky. Since this is the big climax of the story, the film does keep pretty true to the book. Obviously, it chisels down the dialogue a bit and adds some extra drama. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> There's also some visual detail differences, but overall it gets the same point across. In both the book and the movie, Harry has just entered the Chamber of Secrets. The book describes a dimly lit chamber with towering stone pillars carved with more serpents. The movie has Harry climb down a ladder to a stone pathway leading into the chamber. The path is bordered by seven open-mouthed stone snakehead statues on either side. So, similar motif, but not quite the same layout. Yeah. Then, at the end of the pillars, the book describes a statue as high as the chamber itself of an ancient monkey-like face with a long, thin beard that falls almost all the way to his stone feet. The movie also has a statue of a face with a beard, though I don't know that I would describe it as monkey-like. wasn't really. Also, the statue is just of the face, no body or feet. I think I actually like it more the way they had it in the movie than compared to the book's description of it, though. I actually agree with you there, especially since the stone beard had its own very serpentine feel to each stone coil of hair. I also think the layout was more effective later on when the basilisk shows up. Yeah, we can talk more about that when we reach that part, but in both the book and the film, Ginny is lying down at the base of the statue. Another minor difference here is that the book describes her as being face down when the movie has her on her back. I mean, I'd rather not be lying down in what is basically a sewer at all, but I mean, if I gotta, I'd much rather be on my back than face down. There is that. Mm-hmm. In both, Harry runs towards her and kneels down next to her, dropping his wand in the process. I mean, 
Okay, I get that he was really worried about his best friend's sister, but why in the hell would you drop your wand? Seriously. Seriously. It's the one weapon you have against a giant snake that can murder you by looking at you that could show up at any moment. Mm Mm-hmm. That shit should never leave your hand. Right? Because not only does it leave you unarmed against a potential giant-ass nope-rope attack, he also may as well have just handed it to the heir of Slytherin. Definitely not one of Harry's brightest moments. Mm-mm. In both, he's begging Jenny to wake up, and Tom Riddle steps out and informs him that she won't wake. Harry wants to know what he means, making sure she isn't dead, and Riddle confirms that she's alive, but only just. In both... Harry asks Riddle if he is a ghost, and Riddle explains that he is a memory, preserved in a diary for 50 years. Harry asks him for help getting Ginny out of there. In the movie, he turns back to Ginny, and Riddle bends down to pick up Harry's wand at that point. The book was just a touch different. After Harry Uh asks for help, he also mentions there's a basilisk, and Riddle just stands there, silent. Harry goes to pick up his wand and sees that it's gone. He looks back up at Riddle and sees him twirling it. He says thanks and reaches out for it, but Riddle just keeps staring at him. Harry then starts trying to lift Ginny off the floor and again asks for his help and mentions the basilisk. Riddle finally speaks and tells him that it won't come until it's called. Very suspicious. Right? That's sort of what happens in the movie too, except Harry isn't trying to pick up Ginny. He's distracted by trying to figure out how to help her and tells Riddle there is a basilisk. When Riddle responds that it won't come until it's called, Harry looks up at him and sees him with his wand. There's no thanks, he just flat out tells him to give him his wand, and Riddle tells him that he won't be needing it. He does say that in the book, too, and also tells Harry that he's been waiting a long time for a chance to talk to him. Harry is still somehow completely oblivious to how untrustworthy Riddle is, and just tells him they can talk later, right now they need to get out of the chamber. But Riddle just pockets Harry's wand and tells him that they're going to talk now. And finally, Harry's starting to become suspicious and asks how Jenny got like that. Oh, Harry, you sweet summer child. The movie sets us up a bit differently. Harry insists that they need to save Jenny, and Riddle says that he can't let that happen. That as she grows weaker, he grows stronger. And then just launches right into the explanation that Jenny opened the Chamber of Secrets. I like how they cut the scene together, too. They actually show the clips of Ginny opening the chamber, writing on the wall, and throwing the diary into the toilet as Riddle describes it in a voiceover. Yeah, I think that's a pretty effective visual storytelling tool. It was like a montage of evidence that Ginny was guilty instead of actually showing any of it throughout the story, and possibly then giving away the twist. Yeah, Harry also wants to know why she would do all that. She could not, would not freeze a cat. She could not, should not act like that. Um... Oh, wait. We're not rhyming in this episode? Been there, done that. Okay, fine. So Riddle tells Harry that she did it all because he told her to. He can be very persuasive, and she didn't really know what she was doing. She still began to fear the power of the diary and tried to dispose of it, which is when Harry found it. Riddle calls Harry the person he most wanted to meet, and Harry wants to know why. Riddle says that he wanted to talk to him. Yeah, the book has Riddle explain that Jenny got in that state because she'd been writing in his diary all year. 
He said that it was boring to listen to the struggles of an 11-year-old, but he was able to charm her, and the more of herself she poured into the diary, the stronger he became, until he was able to feed her some of his own secrets, and use her to open the chamber. She set the basilisk on the petrified victims, painted the walls, and strangled Hagrid's roosters. The movie literally never gives us an explanation for Hagrid and his random dead rooster. Also, did you notice, actually, how Kristen Coulson accentuates his s in all his dialogue? Oh yeah, he really does. That's a fun touch. It used to really annoy me. <laughs> like Back when the movie first came out, I'm like, why the hell is he lisping? But now I feel like it was an excellent character choice for him. I kind of wonder if it's a choice that he made or if Chris Columbus directed him that way, you know? Yeah, having been both an actor and a director before, I'd say it could honestly go either way for that. I always love to speculate what lines and actions are actor choices, especially in really quirky actors like Johnny Depp. Well, yeah, I feel like that's why you cast Johnny Depp for the really random character choices he makes, right? Definitely. <laughs> but the conversation between Harry and Riddle are honestly pretty similar from the book to the movie, though the book definitely has more dialogue and the movie just gets to the meat of the topic. In both after Riddle says that Harry, the person he most wanted to meet, finds his diary, he decides to show him his famous capture of the oaf Hagrid. In the book, Harry realizes that Riddle framed Hagrid instead of just making a mistake like he initially thought. In the movie, Harry gets super sassy and just yells at Riddle, Hagrid's my friend! And you framed him, didn't you? In both, Riddle says that it was his word against Hagrid's. In the book, he goes on to say that the word of the poor but brilliant and brave prefect and model student was, of course, believed over blundering Hagrid, who was in trouble every other week trying to raise werewolf cubs under his bed, sneaking off to the Forbidden Forest to wrestle with trolls. And you know, I really have to wonder about those last two. Yeah, Carly already mentioned the werewolf cubs slash human babies in our previous Potter Pondering, because... I would think that is what werewolf cubs would be, no? Like, they'd probably only be werewolves during the full moon. Well, that, and is werewolfishness something that is passed down genetically? Like, is one afflicted parent enough or would both need to be werewolves? Or maybe they weren't actually even werewolves, but just regular wolves. I could totally see Hagrid trying to raise a regular wolf under his bed. We should totally make this our Potter pondering. Like, I want to know what our keepers think about this. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> but then also, other than Riddle's comment, were we ever given any indication that trolls live in the Forbidden Forest? I don't think so. I mean, I guess it's possible. It's forbidden for a reason, and maybe that's where Quirrell found the troll to let in on Halloween in Sorcerer's Stone. Honestly, at this point, it seems like Hagrid is the reason half the shit in the forest makes it dangerous. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically. But the movie doesn't have Riddle mention any of Hagrid's alleged transgressions. He just says that only Dumbledore seemed to think Hagrid was innocent. Harry dishes out some more sass, saying that he bets Dumbledore saw right through him. And Riddle says that he certainly kept an annoyingly close watch on him after that. Which was very similar to how the book had it, though Harry didn't sass Riddle like that. Honestly, I think the movie did a better job of showing just how Gryffindor Harry really was. Because he gets right up in Riddle's face and challenges him at every turn. In the book, he mostly just listens and asks a few clarifying questions. Yeah, Sassy Harry is raring to go the whole time. 
In both, Riddle explains that he preserved his 16-year-old self in the diary so he could one day lead another to finish Salazar Slytherin's noble work. And Harry informs him that he hasn't since no one died and they're all about to be cured. Riddle lets him know that he's no longer going after mudbloods. His new target is Harry. Shock. In the book, he also shares how mad he was that Ginny snuck into Harry's dorm and stole the diary back. But he knew from what she had written that he would stop at nothing to solve the mystery, especially after one of his best friends was attacked. He made Ginny write her own farewell message on the wall and overpowered her so he could finally leave the diary pages. He's been waiting down in the chamber for Harry to show up so he can talk to him. Yeah, he didn't say any of that in the movie. <laughs> he just launches right into asking Harry how a baby with no extraordinary magical talent was able to defeat the greatest wizard of all time, escaping with nothing but a scar while Voldemort was nearly destroyed. He asks that in the book, too, and in both, Harry wants to know why he cares since Voldemort was after his time. Riddle says that Voldemort is his past, present, and future, and pulls out Harry's wand to write Tom Marvolo Riddle in the air. He waves the wand again, and the letters rearrange to spell out, I am Lord Voldemort. Fun fact, in the French version, they had to change his middle name to Elvis so that it would work with the respelling, so that it would actually spell Je suis Lord Voldemort. I mean, fun fact. It's got, it kind of got a good ring to it, I guess. Right? I dig it. <laughs> But in the movie, Harry says, you're the heir of Slytherin. And I'm just like, no, Harry, it's just coincidence that you met up with him in the effing Chamber of Secrets. Well, that and honestly, I think my first reaction would have been, you're Voldemort? He does make that connection next. And Riddle starts to get really nasty, saying, surely you didn't think I was going to keep my filthy muggle father's name. He basically says that in the book, too. Along with mentioning that Voldemort was a name he was already using in school with his most intimate friends, which I don't think he really actually had, but sure. Oh, yeah. Sure, Tom. Right. We'll say you had friends. In both, he says he made up the new name that wizards would fear to speak when he became the greatest wizard in the world. In both, Harry tells Voldemort that Albus Dumbledore is the greatest wizard in the world. But this is another example of how movie Harry is still sassier than book Harry in this particular scene, at least. Movie Harry full-on gets in Riddle's face to say it. Yeah, book Harry is more shocked as he's realizing that the handsome boy in front of him is the wizard that grew up to murder his parents. Mm -hmm. He has to force himself to speak and tells him that he isn't the greatest sorcerer in the world. But then he definitely does start to ramp up the sass at this point. He also says that Dumbledore is the greatest wizard in the world and adds on that everyone says that Voldemort was afraid of him, even when he was strong. In both, Riddle says that Dumbledore was driven out of the castle by the mere memory of him. And in the movie, Harry insists that he will never be gone, not as long as there are those who remain loyal to him. And I really wish they would have kept in Dumbledore's line about loyalty. Because when Harry says that to Tom, it just doesn't feel right. Like, they made it seem like he just came up with it on the fly, but it doesn't sound like a 12-year-old's words, right? Yeah, we had talked about how that line of Dumbledore's had been cut in a previous episode when he was being suspended. Mm -hmm. In the book, he mentioned that he would only be gone if none remained who are loyal to him. Since the movie didn't have him say that, it does imply that it was Harry's own view, and I agree that isn't something a 12-year-old would come up with on his own. Exactly. The sentiment was there, 
but because he heard Dumbledore say it. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess regardless of where the sentiment came from, it was enough to call Fox the Phoenix to the situation in both, though his arrival is a bit different between the two. Yeah, in the book, they hear music first, and Fox arrives in an eruption of flames at the top of the nearest pillar. He then flies down to Harry, holding a bundle in his talons, which he drops at Harry's feet before landing on his shoulder. The movie has him arriving with an echoing bird call as he just flies in and swoops around, dropping the sorting hat into Harry's hands before flying off again. In both, Riddle basically mocks Harry for being sent a songbird and an old hat. Yeah, in the book, he laughs and asks if Harry feels safe now. (laughs) Harry isn't sure what to make of the bird in the hat, but he does feel a little bit better since he's no longer alone. Riddle goes on to ask more of his questions, wanting to know how Harry survived the two times they had met in Harry's past and Riddle's future. Harry tells Riddle that no one knows why Voldemort lost his powers, but he survived because his mother sacrificed herself to save him. And this is when book Harry full-on buttons up his sassy Gryffindor pants, <laughs> calling her his common muggle-born mother and adding on that he's seen the real Voldemort. He's a wreck, barely alive, in hiding, ugly, and foul. Bam! Take that, Riddle! Shit! None of that happened in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) After Fox arrives, he decides that he's done talking and turns to the bearded statue and speaks Parseltongue. The statue's mouth starts to open and Riddle says, Let's match the power of Lord Voldemort, heir of Salazar Slytherin against the famous Harry Potter. Which we get to in the book, after Riddle addresses the fact that Harry's mother died to save him. He says that there's nothing special about Harry after all, and that he had wondered about that because there are strange likenesses between them. Both half-bloods, both orphans, both speak Parseltongue, And they even look somewhat alike. But he seems satisfied with the knowledge that Harry survived because of a lucky chance. And then he speaks in Parseltongue, saying, Speak to me, Slytherin, greatest of the Hogwarts Four. Which was our trivia question. Yep. And just like in the movie, the statue begins to move. Something is stirring inside the opening mouth and hashtag, that's not his tongue. Ew, that's dirty. (laughs) But it's on his tongue. I mean, yeah, but you're making it sound dirtier than it needs to be. I know, I feel like your brain is making it dirty. Well, that's what my brain does. Like, if you don't know (laughs) that about me by now, I think we have an issue here. Let's just keep rolling. Fine. But this is why I think the movie layout of the statue is better than the book. Since the snake comes out of the statue's mouth in both, I think it makes way more sense to have the mouth closer to the ground. Yeah, that would be a long way down from the statue's mouth in the book. Right? Mm-hmm. In general, the same thing happens between the book and the movie, but they do deviate a bit at this point, just because the movie has to make the scene much more dramatic. Well, of course. In the book, Harry closes his eyes and Fox takes off from his shoulder. He backs away as he feels something huge hit the ground and hears Riddle's hissing voice say, Kill him. That's cheery. I like the way you said that. <laughs> In the movie, Riddle tells Harry Parseltongue won't save him since it only answers to him, and Harry turns and runs down the stone path. And for some extra drama, he trips and falls, having a total Velma moment as his glasses fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he trips in the book too, but he doesn't lose his glasses. Something heavy hits him and knocks him into the wall, and with his eyes still closed, 
he's just waiting for the fangs to pierce him. Instead, he hears some wild thrashing against the pillars and squints to see what's happening. He can see an enormous bright green serpent weaving between the pillars and snapping furiously at Fox, who dives and pierces both of the snake's yellow eyes. This basically happened in the movie too, though there really isn't anything bright green about the basilisk. It's more of a dark gray color. Maybe there is a greenish tint to it, I guess, I don't know. But it definitely isn't a poisonous bright green like the book describes. After Fox pierces its eyes, Riddle yells, No! and tells the snake it can still hear Harry. But, like, how is the giant venomous nope rope not better at using scent to sense Harry anyway? I mean, in the book, he does say it can still smell him. So I'm not sure why they would have changed that line. That's weird. At this point, Harry is just wildly muttering for help, and the nope rope's tail sweeps the sorting hat right to him. He picks it up and puts it on, thinking, help me. But instead of hearing a response, he just gets clocked in the head and nearly knocked out by something. He pulls off the hat to find a gleaming silver sword with egg-sized rubies set into the handle. That's not how it happened in the movie. After the basilisk has been blinded, Harry gets up and runs through a different watery tunnel, finding himself dead-ended at a gated tunnel. The nope rope is in close pursuit, and Harry just freezes, then tosses a rock out into the other tunnel to draw it away from him. And this is what I mean, like, wouldn't the basilisk be able to smell him in the tunnel? I mean, at this point, Harry has slid a long way down a pipe, walked through dead animal bones, and who knows what is in that water. Chances are that's dulled his scent somewhat. I guess. But once the nope rope goes the other way, Harry leaves the tunnel and heads back to the main part of the chamber to check on Ginny again. And seriously, Harry, stop trying to hold frozen people's hands. Like, it, it's really <laughs> creepy. You seriously need to stop. Just saying. Riddle tells him that the process is almost complete, Ginny will be dead, and Lord Voldemort will return. The basilisk bursts out of the water at the base of the statue, and Harry sees the sword glittering with rubies appear in the sorting hat. He lunges and grabs it, then runs to the bearded statue. He climbs the serpent-like beard, pulls himself up, and holds the sword ready. That's not how it happened in the book. Harry grabs the sword and stands, ready. Riddle again yells for the basilisk to leave the bird and smell Harry. It turns and lunges blindly at him, and Harry dodges, hitting the chamber wall. It lunges again, and Harry puts all of his weight behind the sword, driving it to the hilt up through the roof of the serpent's mouth. Which is nowhere near dramatic enough for the movie. That was just over way too fast. <laughs> Harry is standing on part of the statue and takes a couple of swipes at the nope rope. This, of course, causes him to fall off the statue, and he manages to one-handedly grab part of it to stop himself from falling all the way down. Harry pulls himself back up and climbs even higher until he gets to the top of the statue and once again readies the sword. He takes a couple more strikes and falls backwards. He gets up, falls again, and this time loses the sword, because why not? Right as the snake is about to strike again, Harry lunges for the sword, grabs it, and thrusts up through the nope rope's open mouth as it attacks. Yeah, that is definitely more dramatic. Right? Though in both, the snake's fang pierces Harry's arm right above his elbow. But even the way it dies is more dramatic. Because mm -hmm. in the book, <laughs> the fang splinters away as it just falls sideways to the ground and twitches a little. Yeah, 
<laughs> Not so much. In the movie, <laughs> Harry removes the sword and realizes the fang is in his arm. And the nope rope just starts swaying around in agony, sinking down into the water at the base of the statue. Then its huge head crashes upside down to the ground. And Tom's face when the basilisk dies is just like, really? Seriously? Like, do you know how long it took me to get this plan going? <laughs> at least 50 years. Right? You suck, dude. In the book, Harry feels himself getting weaker and slides down the wall. Fox lands next to him and rests his head on the puncture wound. Riddle isn't all that bent out of shape about the basilisk because he's convinced that Harry's dying. He says that even Dumbledore's bird knows it as he's crying. Harry blinks down at Fox and sees the tears trickling off of his feathers onto the wound. And Riddle's all geared up to just sit and watch Harry die, even giving a speech about the end of the famous Harry Potter, dying alone in the Chamber of Secrets, defeated at last by the Dark Lord he so unwisely challenged. He tells Harry that he'll be back with his dear mudblood mother soon, but Harry realizes that he's starting to feel better, and Riddle suddenly remembers that Phoenix tears have healing powers, and he chases Fox off. In the movie, Riddle doesn't get to watch Harry be healed. The injured and weakened Harry makes his way back down to Ginny, holding the sword in one hand and the fang in the other. He reaches her and drops the sword as he kneels down next to her. Riddle mocks him, telling him that the venom is spreading through his body. He does say that he'll be with his dear mudblood mother soon, because he can't leave that line out, it's pretty good. Harry looks at him but doesn't say anything, just takes Ginny's hand again, because apparently, Boyk just can't help himself. Apparently, it's just his thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird, not gonna lie. Riddle comments on how it's funny what a silly little book can do in the hands of a silly little girl, and Harry grabs the diary from Ginny's arm. He opens it and plunges the basilisk fang right into a blank page. How about what a silly little book can do in the hands of a dying boy who's got nothing left to lose, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> there is no way anyone would ever get away with calling him that. I bet if people tried to call him Tommy, he would get, like, super pissed and hex them or something. I bet he'd have a similar reaction to being called Voldy. Probably. That must be why we all do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. In the book, the diary isn't in Jenny's arms, nor does Riddle say anything about it. He's just saying that it makes no difference that Harry isn't dead. He prefers it this way because now it's just the two of them. Then Fox actually flies back and drops the diary in Harry's lap. Harry uses the basilisk thing to stab it once, straight through the cover. Ink begins spurting out of it as Riddle screams and writhes and then disappears. The movie is, shockingly, I know, more dramatic. Ink is pouring from the hole in the diary. Harry stabs it a second time on the neighboring page, then closes it and stabs it through the cover. The entire time, holes that are streaming with light are appearing on Riddle and flowing out of his mouth. He is screaming and starts to fade as he lunges towards Harry. But that final stab to the cover causes Riddle to disappear in a burst of light and a shower of sparks. Once again, that is definitely more dramatic. Mm -hmm. There was no mention of light or sparks in the book. Harry gets up, pulls the sword from the basilisk's mouth, and Ginny wakes up. Yeah, Ginny wakes up right after the diary is destroyed in the movie, too. This part is pretty similar between the two, really. Except that in the movie, Harry still hasn't been healed yet. Ginny confesses that it was her, that Riddle made her do it. 
In the movie, she notices that Harry is hurt, and he tells her not to worry and gives her directions to get back to Ron. This is when Fox flies up and cries on his arm, and Harry remembers that Phoenix's tears have healing powers. I'm curious, though. Do you think that Phoenix's cry on demand, or was he actually upset when he healed Harry? I think it's a combination of the two. I bet they are really empathetic creatures who feel others' pains and can cry to help them. This could also make a good ponder pondering, so we should just have two. That works for me. In the book, in addition to her confession, Ginny goes on a ramble about how Harry killed the basilisk, where Riddle went, saying the last thing she remembers was him coming out of the diary and worrying that she was going to be expelled. It was probably the most she had ever talked in front of Harry. Definitely. The movie didn't have her talk that much, though. After he is healed, Harry just tells her that it's over, and the scene transitions to Fox carrying them, Ron, and Lockhart out of the chamber up to the moonlit sky, and the movie section, it ends here. The book goes on a bit more, actually showing Harry and Jenny finding Ron back in the tunnel and getting through the piled-up rocks. This is also when the book tells us that the memory charm must have backfired because Lockhart has no idea who he is. Yeah, the movie clued us into that in the last section. They also stand around for a bit, trying to figure out how to get out of the chamber, when Fox flies in front, waving his tail feathers at Harry. Ron says it looks like he wants Harry to grab hold, but that he's too heavy. Harry explains that Fox isn't an ordinary bird, and they all grab hands. Harry holds Fox's tail, and he flies them up and out of the pipe, as Clueless Lockhart says, Amazing! This is just like magic! <laughs> He does say that in the movie, too, and that line makes my husband laugh every single time. Doesn't matter how many times I've watched the movie, he laughs every single goddamn time. <laughs> it is pretty fantastic. Right? <laughs> but the movie has them flying up outside, up to the moon, and I have no idea why. Fox just flies them back into Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, where she sees them and is surprised and a little disappointed that Harry's alive. This is when she says the line that he would have been welcome to share her toilet instead of before they entered the chamber in the movie. And Ron tells Ginny that she has competition. But poor Ginny is just crying, so he changes the subject and asks Harry what they should do next. Fox leads them to Professor McGonagall's office, and the chapter ends with Harry knocking on the door and opening it. And we didn't actually have any new actors this time. We've met pretty much everyone. Because we basically just had Bonnie Wright... Daniel Radcliffe and Kristen Coulson in this scene, so. we've Yep, we've talked about all of them. Yep, no one knew. <laughs> but that'll bring us to this week's Potter Ponderings, which we decided are, what do you think about Riddle saying that Hagrid was trying to raise werewolf cubs under his bed? And do phoenixes cry on demand, or are they actually upset that someone needs to be healed? So head to our Facebook page and look for the post and share your thoughts with us. Mm-hmm. That will bring us to this week's Sorting Hat story, which is from Alyssa Cole. She writes, I'm a Hufflepuff with a hazelwood wand 13 and 3 quarters inches, unicorn hair core, no flexibility. My Patronus is a mink. I got into Harry Potter because my friend yelled at me to read the books, and she scares me, so I did, and I adore them now. <laughs> I love this story. It's short and sweet, and her friend may be scary, but she's a damn good friend. Yeah, I can see why you would appreciate her friend. I mean, I didn't need you to scare me into Harry Potter, but you definitely scared me into a Harry Potter podcast. 
And you adore it now. I mean, I've never stuck with one project for so long, but yeah, I do. <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't be doing it without you. That's facts right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, the wood, core, and length, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. And that'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, in addition to the special awards for services to the school, how many points does Dumbledore award Harry and Ron apiece? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag Gryffindor wins again. We'll get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, that's not how it happened in the book, that's not how it happened in the movie, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated and will go towards bringing Harry Potter-related content your way. And make sure you check out our website at justkeeprolling.com for our podcasts and Harry Potter-related merchandise. We are still donating all the proceeds from our Equality merchandise, designed with Dumbledore's quote saying, Differences of habit and language are nothing at all if our aims are identical and our hearts are open. Yeah, the proceeds are going to the Trevor Project and the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. Our fundraising campaign for each is also shared on our Facebook page and Twitter if you don't want to buy the merchandise but still would like to contribute. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. And join us next week when we talk about the final chapter of Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 18, Dobby's Reward, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. rolling.